0: Let's do this. The Cult of Hockey podcast, by the faithful and for the faithful. I'm David Staples of the Edmonton Journal, and I'm here tonight with Bruce McCurdy.
1: Hey, Bruce. Hey, David. How are you doing tonight,
0: <laughs> Bruce? Uh, you know, if they were, if that, if they, uh, if they lost, I was going to weep, and when they won, I almost shed a tear. I mean, it was such a huge victory for this team and for Connor McDavid, it was just such a big moment in his career mm-hmm. to get kind of a monkey off his back. I think, to, you know, just to dominate absolutely and utterly dominate in the playoff series. First time the owners are out of these first round since 2017. And he was, he was the, you know, obviously clearly the MVP of, of the series and of this game and uh, I just really felt good for, for Connor McDavid. How about you?
1: Uh, I'm exhilarated tonight, David. That was a very intense and uh, entertaining, energetic uh, game of hockey. And the better team won, and the better team was my team. So that's a really good feeling when when, when your team wins and they deserve it. And to win a playoff series, which used to be a commonplace thing, isn't so much anymore. This is the uh, uh, first one in five years for the Oilers, and just a second in uh, in 16 long years that we've actually gone through a handshake line as the winners uh, of a series. And, uh, yeah, first time Oilers won a best of seven series uh, in this century.
0: I actually you know, like uh, a seven
1: pull seven game.
0: Yeah, series. I felt bad for the Leafs honestly tonight. Like I'm, mm-hmm. I often take pleasure when they screw up and fail, but man, I felt bad for them. Like that team has just been pushing hard, pushing hard for a long. They've got a really good hockey team and lots of good players, and I just thought like it, it would be like if the Oilers lost. It's just painful. And tonight, Bruce, no, if the Oilers had lost, up. yeah, if the if the Oilers had lost this game. That would have been so painful because the Oilers wow. were the dominant team. The, the, uh, we track, of course, grade A shots. And the grade A shots in this game were 13 for the Edmonton Oilers, five Wow. for the LA Kings, five. Mm-hmm. The five alarm shots, which which are the, the very, very highest quality shots, you know, they got a 33 plus percent chance of going in, were seven to two for the Oilers. The Kings only had two really superlative scoring chances all game long. It, it was a monumental, monumental effort by the Edmonton owners in this game. Totally dominant performance, and yet they could have easily lost this game because heading into the third period, <laughs> excuse me, it's just one nothing, And um, they just had all these chances. They hit some posts, and they missed the net. Russell and a couple of defensemen. We, we were just complaining about how the defensemen were missing the net when uh, CeCe finally put it in. Anyway, I'm getting I'm mm-hmm. far ahead of myself. We're going to go over all this stuff in yeah. our... Two good things, two bad things, and two numbers podcast. And because it's the biggest Oilers win in five years, Bruce, we're not doing any bad things, and we're doing three good things each.
1: What's bad about that game, really? I mean, you really have to be splitting hairs to, you know, find a mistake, you know, one mistake that led to a scoring chance that didn't result in a goal against, like, you know, nothing nothing seriously went super wrong. The team stayed out of the penalty box, David. They didn't take a single penalty, and I didn't see one. You I know, thought it I saw one. Maybe I mean, it was it was, uh, it was uh, pretty. Uh, I mean, both teams were minding their p's and q's, but the Oilers were not sort of making desperation dive into the guy's feet, stick your you know reaching yeah. out and getting your stick up because they were in position and they were all over the the puck carriers and they uh, they played a, a really really strong uh, two way game of hockey tonight. So it's a uh, 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 it's a. Uh, um, gigantic feather in their caps to produce such a game as that in game seven of a, of a best of seven series that's uh, when you need to be on your best behavior and I thought for the most part they were
0: yeah this was really winning a game if they're going to win in the playoffs this is this is how they have to win this is a team that has to play fanatical defensive hockey in order mm-hmm. to win and I think uh, obviously, Connor McDavid. Who's my, I'll, I'll start off with my first good thing here.
1: Yeah. He, I think he Connor first. McDavid
0: realized that um, to heading into the playoffs, he's been playing really sound defensive hockey for for quite some time in the second half of the whole season, I actually think. And he just cranked it up in the playoffs. He really took his defensive responsibility seriously. I mean, he was he was a physical hockey player tonight. He was you know, and then and then on the attack, he's caught her... Connor frickin' McDavid, right? You know, just let's. I'm gonna start off just giving a stat line, Bruce. He played. He played the most time of any Oiler by far, 26-24. The next best was De Leon Draisaitl at 21-39, which is an amazing total for a player like injured. Um, 26-24 for Connor McDavid. Uh, three, excuse me, seven shots, two missed shots, and uh, or what, what's AB?
1: Uh, attempts that were blocked,
0: two block shots and four missed shots. So in total, he fired, fired 13, 13 shot attempts mm-hmm. at the net. He had four hits, two takeaways, one block shot, and the only the only downside at the face off circle three and seven. So it was a uh, it was an utterly dominating performance from Connor McDavid, and I'm glad that you you've got the game <laughs> game grades tonight. And I have a I have a sense of the grade that you might bestow on Connor McDavid tonight.
1: He's Bruce, he's this, getting a 10. He's getting a he's 10. He's getting a 10.
0: Yeah. I and I completely agree. It's a that was a 10 in, in, in a playoff game in the game 7 when you play like that. Yeah. So it starts off and you know this has been remarked on by probably everyone on the internet by now but that great hit on jersey early in the game was fantastic. I called, you know, my wife was doing some chores outs, I think just she just came in from outside and I immediately had to call her over to see that hit. It was a little like when you, in, in slow mo, it was a little less spectacular, but he did knock him on his death. Off. And Durzi is a tough, tough, and effective hockey player, so it's good to see McDavid get in, get in on that. Um, he really got rolling in the second period, where he, he his first really great play is um, Yamo and Dryer working it along the boards, and McDavid gets it kind of beside the net, and he takes it out very cleverly um, from the side of the net. To right to the slot and he's not looking at all I don't believe it quick and he puts a really dangerous backhanded shot right on net which came very close to scoring I mean mm-hmm. um, his first chance his first good chance was about two minutes into the game where he, he whipped down the wing and t- took an outside shot which almost beat quick right off the start of the game which would have been good um we just go to our scoring chance sheet to get to the next big play I think the next big play is is the goal itself and um, all night long Mcdavid was t- <laughs> he was you know with his with his quick stops and starts and quick moves he was like breaking ankles breaking knees breaking whole body parts you know breaking the Kings right down the middle of their bodies with with how he was doing the quick stop and start and this goal was a textbook example of that. I, in terms of what he does better than any other player, maybe in the history of the NHL, this is on the list, I think. These quick stop and starts where he has the puck and reverses direction with it. Because he goes behind the net, looks like he's going way, when bam, he's the other way. And he and he makes the old, what I call the low-high over pass. Over
1: and over again. Just spins yeah. off of guys. I mean, the only guy, to me, that comes close in terms of spinning off is Sid Crosby. And, and uh, you know, he's got that tremendous sort of... Uh, Low center of gravity, and he's got the big, thick, strong, muscular thighs, as uh, as uh, Pierre Maguire used to always exclaim about, and uh, and sort of this really super strong lower body, and and there's just no way to knock the guy down. There was no way to get underneath him to to, to uh, uh, you know overpower him, and and Sid could just spin off. But even he can't do it with sort of the speed and precision I think that uh, that McDavid can. Either way, like he can he can he can spin off uh, either way, or he can double spin. He can basically tie the defenseman's skates together while he's doing it because the guy you know he breaks his ankles and the guy is you know it's, it's phenomenal to watch and he's just been doing that move was just more and more prominent as this series went on because LA just could not handle it.
0: Well, they have Edler out there, right? He's like what mm-hmm. 34, 35. He's a great big guy, but he's not fast. Right. And there was one shift where McDavid twice in a row just <laughs> spun around him. And Crosby, I think, makes a bit more physical contact than McDavid. Yes, like he, you he do not touch, contact. You do not touch Connor McDavid when he's making that play usually, right? Like, and then they didn't on the goal on wow. CC's goal. So he makes the low high pass, and this is a very difficult play because even though that shot was from an angle, anytime you have that the pass coming out from down low, the goalie's back in the net because he's got to watch the wraparound. Pass mm-hmm. goes out, zap, and boom, it's in the net. That's a very um, you know we we in the earlier days of tracking grade A shots we never we didn't include those shots and we came to see over the years like that low high pass from down low to high up for a quick shot that is a grade A shot and CC put it in uh, on the play the next mm-hmm.
1: uh, one comment ahead. on that play. Um, uh, CC put it in the short side, and one of the reasons that he was able to do that and beat Johnson quick there was that our friend Mikey Anderson was uh, in the lane and uh, trying to block the shot and more screening quick than anything. And uh, CC missed Anderson on the on you know, on the post side and and just snuck the puck inside the post. And uh, Anderson himself served as a great big post on that play, and he did not help. Uh, cause whatsoever. So I did not mind that at all because I I got a belly for Mikey Anderson in these last uh, seven games. It's not, you know, he's a hard-nosed, strong hockey player, but uh dirty enough that uh, uh I'm not really a fan. I might be a fuse on my team, but uh he's not. So Yeah. Have a night. Have the, a nice summer.
0: <laughs> the hockey boards had a little debate and they decided to punish him for what he did to Draisaitl. <laughs> So uh, later in the second period, two minutes left, McDavid uh, puts it on net from the from the boards, and Yamamoto jams away at it and almost scores. Uh, next, we see in the third period, five minutes in, McDavid uh, um, just he makes a very nice pass um, from the I think it's from low to high to Mc, Yamamoto in the slot, and Kyler Yamamoto, who has uh, who has as you know in our in our game notes, he had the whole net and he he, he hit the post. This this happens, right? You got to get the shot off fast, and there's defensemen coming at you. So then Bruce um, comes, you know, the goal uh, where Yamamoto breaks it out, and McDavid rips down the ice and uh, can't get off the first shot because he gets uh, penalized, but takes it around the net, and he 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 um, gets one, he he gets two attempts, he he kind of puts it into the middle and kick a quick gets it out. And then uh, he's got the, the wherewithal to put the rebound into the goal. And what came next, Bruce, was probably, will be one of the great uh, gifts of all time, McDavid's celebration and Yamamoto's celebration. Yamamoto mm-hmm. jumping in the air, jumping for joy. Mm-hmm. And uh, McDavid doing his wild, uh, shaking body, shaking, pumping his arms. The biggest smile I've ever seen on Connor McDavid's face. I mean he he looked like, you know, if you lit a match around him, it was gonna cause it, it, an explosion because he was just so just just he, you know, so full of adrenaline. He was uh, you know, he was so excited. And and that comes in a game where he was like utterly dialed in, like so dialed in the whole game. And it was just great to see him in that moment, enjoying that play and taking that taking his team, putting on his team on his back and taking him to the next round.
1: Yeah, well, on that goal, like, he got fouled by Dersey as he was coming in on the first one. The puck went behind the net, and he and he picked it up and was able to come out and jam it on the short side, and it was a very good save by Jonathan Quick, who had a great game, uh, to uh, uh, keep that one out. And then the puck, I mean, you'd have to look at this replay and run, run it frame by frame, but the puck seemed to bounce off about six things, but no matter what it hit, McDavid was in control of it somehow. It went off a defender's skate. It went off McDavid's own skate. He was able to kick it up to himself. It was just sort of bouncing around there, and he was just on it. And It didn't seem to matter where the puck was going to go. He was on it. it was, he was like a cat on a mouse on that puck. And yeah, so other, quick, eh? Yeah, yeah, and the other fun part about that goal, uh, another rookie mistake by L.A., Sean Dersey, after committing the foul on uh, McDavid, uh, stopped behind the net to complained to the ref about the call while McDavid came out in front. And then I don't think he would have caught McDavid from behind, but he could have got out there and sort of complicated things and maybe got in the shooting lane. Instead, he took himself out of the play before the whistle went. And that's, like I say, it's a rookie mistake. He'll learn from it. He's a good player, Sean Dursey. But boy, did he make a big mistake there stopping while McDavid kept going. That's a wicked, wicked mistake. (laughs) That is a wicked Oops.
0: Uh, all right, Bruce. Your your first uh, your first of three good things.
1: Yeah, three good things, eh? So yeah, I'm going to go with the, with the play of the entire defense corps. All seven guys, uh, I thought, uh, brought it. Uh, played uh, very good to outstanding across the board. They're all going to get grades of uh, six plus for sure. Uh, and. Uh, as one, for example, uh, Chris Russell, who played in the number seven role tonight, played eight minutes and 44 seconds at even strength, during which time L.A. mustered one shot on goal. One shot. In, in uh, almost nine minutes that Chris Russell was out there, the Oilers outshot him four to one. Russell himself stopped three shots. Mike Smith only had to stop one, so shout out to him. Uh, but Uh And Brett Kulak, I thought he was outstanding, winning races to pucks and clearing the zone, keeping the puck in at the good end, moving it smartly. I thought he had, he had an excellent game. And on top of, I mean, this should be the good thing, Brett Kulak being a dad, becoming a dad uh, after playing a great game in Los Angeles and then returning with another great game. I mean, he must have been, like, pumped playing tonight from everything that went down for him. Uh, and a special shout-out for Cody Cece, who, of course, scored the icebreaker, which was hugely important in every game in this series. And uh, <coughs> Cece jumped and joined the play and, and uh, uh, saw the, the seam between Anderson and the short side post and beat, sifted it in there before Quick could get over. And uh, uh, But by, by jumping in and getting involved in the play... His first goal in the series after i believe five assists earlier like he's been a a, a real contributor to evenson's attack in the playoffs i mean who saw that coming to this degree uh three shots on net three blocks at the other end 20 and a half minutes of uh you know seeing mainly the toughs i mean that's been his job and i haven't exactly looked at the who played how many minutes against which players but you know, you know. Yeah. CC and and nurse and company would uh uh, see the lion's share of either the Kopitar or the Dan O lines, and anyway, so he was uh, he was big, and I just thought it was a real strong effort from the uh, from the defensive team, and and I'll add Mike Smith to that list because we're only doing three good things and not ten, because he was rock solid tonight, Smith. He made. Uh, what, he tracked the puck really well and he wasn't giving up any rebounds. He seemed to be a lot of shots. He was like right in the middle of the shooting lane and they yeah. just went into him and they never came out again. He was just just freezing and and uh, containing all the rebounds, not leaking anything through. and he didn't have that many like uh, super tough saves, but he had a lot of B shots and a lot of shots through traffic and yeah and his uh, his glove hand was uh, sharp tonight, and uh, I thought he generally had a had a very good game. So the, the defensive effort from the Oilers, uh, and really you could include the forwards in that same discussion, but I'll stop with the 7-1. Uh,
0: well, before game six, Bruce, again, I wrote that post, like mm-hmm. to win the Oilers must play. It's yes. They're dif- they, they've they got to crank it up. They've got to change the way They had given up, I think it was 21 grade A shots mm-hmm. in the uh, game five loss, which was the most they'd given up in the season series. Uh, excuse me, 13 of them were five alarm shots when they lost 5-4 to L.A. It was it was a really mm-hmm, weak defensive yeah. effort by the Oilers, and lots of individual players ha- didn't play that well. I think those two games where they ran away with it had gone to their heads, mm-hmm. honestly. And um, anyway, these last two games have been just... They've done everything I would have hoped uh, as, a, as a persnickety <laughs> fan who focuses on defensive play mm-hmm. and criticizes people whenever they make, you know, mistakes on it and keeps track of it and writes it on it, you know, in his spreadsheets and tracks it through the air. I'm just really happy with the, the def- fundamental defensive play of the Edmonton Oilers in these last two games. I mean, Bruce, in, in in game six, they gave up seven grade A shots, and this time it was five. You know, in, ga- in g- grade game six, it was uh, four or five alarm shots. In this game, it was two. So these are just two monumental defensive efforts by the Oilers. They need to play this way. They sh- they showed they can they can now play this way in the playoffs. Every game they can come out and play this game with this level of intensity. It's and um, they have a chance to win. Like it's it's going to take a toll on them, but mm-hmm. they have a chance to go far in the playoffs if they keep playing this style of hockey because they have these fantastic scores. Bruce, it, in terms of keeping a clean sheet on defense, which is. You don't make one major mistake on a grade-A shot against. Uh, there was four Oilers defend, defenders in that, on that list. Tyson Berry, Brett Kulak, Cody Cece, and Chris Russell. And then um, Bouchard and Keith only made one each, which is which is really good in a game, too. I mm-hmm. thought Evan Bouchard probably had his best game as a professional hockey player. I, I was really impressed with his, um, his poise on the ice. And Nurse made two. So...
1: Just nurse defend. got burned by Kempe on one of the five-alarm <coughs> yeah. shots. It's Kempe. Yeah. It looked just like that overtime goal. I had my heart my throat there. And I honestly don't remember which was the other five-alarm, but uh, uh, yeah, Nurse got Nurse got beat on that one play, but I, I thought he had a pretty strong game for the most part, you know, involved at both ends. The ice plus two, too, by the way, for what that's worth. Nurse was beat push- on the other five-alarm, yeah. Evan Bouchard, for the only thing that I only bone I had to pick with Bouchard was uh, for all of his uh, reputation for getting his shots through and on the net. He had 10 shot attempts tonight and zero shots on goal. He had yeah. seven shots, seven shots blocked, and three that missed the target, albeit one of them hit the post. And, well, he sure uh, there, was trying, but you're right. He didn't yeah, have success. There was one play where I thought he had an opening and he had. He, 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 he needed to shoot right away, and he waited a split second to get a little close to the net, and some king came flying out of nowhere to block it. And I just just don't quite have the time you think you have at, uh, at this league. But uh, I thought Bouchard was very strong in his own end. He made a number of key stops, and there was one play I remember where he blocked a shot, and then he went right into the corner and just creamed the guy that took the shot, and then the Oilers just walked out with it from there or so.
0: Okay, Bruce. My uh, second good thing was the Nugent Hopkins line. Mm-hmm. I have never seen Ryan Nugent Hopkins play better hockey than in this series. And and you know what? Like, talk about sacrificing yourself. Like he is a top six forward. I think he's a top six talent on the wing at least. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's playing on the checking line. He's the center of the checking line. And he, he was he has been so smart, so good defensively his coverage in the defensive slot has been it's been as good as mcdavid's they've both been out, outstanding and um he's also engaging physically like i've never seen him do before as a hockey player he's getting in there and he's constantly yeah. getting sticks on these guys hacking away tipping away and he's very good at it like he he's good at uh lifting their sticks at right at, <laughs> at the right moment to, to steal that puck so um a lot of self-sacrifice but just incredible reading of the game, reading and making sure he's always in the right spot defensively and winning his defensive battles. And, um, I don't know if I'm alone in this, this feeling about RNH, but I just, I'm kind of over the moon about how well he's playing. He's, he, I, I've never had more admiration for this player, even when he was like a top line, the top line center on the orders and with Hall and Everly and was putting up points. He is a way better hockey player right now. And he, he was never very good as a center. Um, In that time period, he was okay at best. And sometimes he was pretty weak. He has completely cranked it up. And his two wingers, Archibald and Ryan. I mean, what did Mm -hmm. Archibald have? Six or seven hits? I think he had six and Cassian had seven.
1: Cassian had seven. Ryan and Nugent Hopkins himself had two. And uh, he was was playing in the so-called dirty areas tonight and doing well. He was getting... Hanging in there and coming out on top more often than not in uh, puck battles and just uh, uh, just not yielding, you know, just being being determined to not get beat and he didn't. Uh, I liked his game too.
0: Seven to six, seven six on face off, seven wins six losses, which is good for the Nuge as well. And so Archibald Archibald has just been hitting like crazy all season, uh, all series long. He's playing fantastic hockey for, for him, right? Like he's not. Connor McDavid. But he is he is a serviceable third line player when he's playing at his at his peak, and he has been. He's just been hitting and hitting and hitting and hitting. And it takes a toll, I think, on the other team's defensemen. He's also been making some good plays on the puck. I mean, he got a breakaway. almost scored, very close to scoring during the third period when he when he uh, went to his backhand and almost put it between oh, Jonathan Quick's. Oh, legs.
1: Safe. I thought he did yeah. everything right. I was sure that was gonna go in the net. I don't like He pulled him apart and it's going to go in the five hole and somehow quick dragged his left pad through and filled the five hole with it. That was amazing stuff. And Archibald was in shock that he hadn't scored, I think, because he actually made the move he wanted to make and he executed it. And, I mean, he's not exactly uh, uh, a uh, natural sniper, let's put it that way, but uh, that looked like it might be going in. But what, what he is natural at is a guided missile. Holy moly, he just skates right to the man and through the man. No quarter given. It's not like you run in and bump him and you know, slow down while you're, while, you're, while you're laying the hit on. He just skates right through the guy. And some people would deride the fact that he's always on the short end of the shot share, which he was again tonight by a fairly significant margin. Uh, but you know what? Uh, you look down this LA roster... And you see a whole bunch of guys like uh, 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 Dustin Brown and Blake Lazat and Brendan Lemieux and Rasmus Kuperi, and uh, that's what they do. They're out there to grind and, and mix things up, and the Oilers needed some grinding and mixing some things up to match some of that stuff from the Kings. You know, it's not just about shots. It's about, you know, the... There's uh, this huge breadth to the game, and, and to me, I mean, a, I like the I like the skilled guys too, but to me, Archibald and, and Cassian, know, I thought had a really good game in, in the uh, nine minutes or so that he played, um, I thought they, they uh, provided some pushback that Edmonton needed against L.A.
0: You know, it's not just about the shots. It's about mm-hmm. goals and grade-A shots. Yeah. And they that not not one of those players, those three players made a mistake on a grade A shot against. Like they kept the clean sheet, that that line in that regard.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: I just felt supreme confidence, Bruce. Every time they were on the ice, I just felt they are not scoring on these guys. They're taking care of their own end. They're smart hockey players. And Derek Ryan's a really smart hockey player. He's is he's, he ever? Not, he's not physical. He's not he's fairly he's fairly quick. He's not big, but he's smart. New just smart. Archibald is playing smart hockey. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, I just, feel, this is the check, like you, to win in the playoffs, you need that third line that can, you can send out there, shut down the opposition. They The Oilers have that right now. It's like it's such a missing link in terms of their team, I believe. They haven't had this forever. Um, they, I don't think they had it in 2017. Um, they have it now. They've got this checking line, and
1: it's huge for the Edmonton Oilers. Derek Ryan. One thing he does really well is he puts the puck in good places. Yeah. When he jumps on a loose puck, even when he's getting checked, you know that he's going to chip it into the open ice, into the corner. He's going to get it behind the other team's net in a place where they can't do something with it right away, so that you know the team has time to recover and prepare for what happens next. And he, you know, he really does uh, understand the movement of the puck really well. What is your Is this your second good thing? Second good thing, yes, indeed. I'm going to single out uh, Oilers rookie, Ryan McLeod, who I thought had a fantastic game tonight. Uh, He was all over the place tonight. He only only had one shot on net, and it wasn't really about the offensive game for uh, McLeod, but it was about the skating game, and it was about the defensive and positional game, and for the uh, work that he did uh, in the trenches in this game, he had two hits. He had five takeaways in this game. You do not see that number in the takeaways column very often at all. Like less than once a month would you see a number as high as five takeaways in a game. The Oilers as a team had 19 and LA had three. Now, granted, there's a judgment calls involved there, but... Uh, uh, the Oilers wanted the puck bad tonight. Ryan McLeod was one of those guys, and I was very encouraged to see that because one of the knocks on him has been, I mean, the major knock on him, let's face it, has been uh, too much in the perimeter, not wanting to get in there, get down and dirty, and I thought tonight he had all of that, and he was all over the puck. And he uh, 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 he and his uh, uh, mates, whoever, whoever he... Uh, uh, whoever he played with over the course of the game, I thought uh, I thought he was uh, he was real solid. And this was uh, this was a very uh, positive arrow for young Ryan McLeod to to have such an impact on a game seven.
0: His best game in the NHL, I thought, Probably. easily, easily. Like yeah. he he was he just played a really polished game. There was he made one mistake on a great mm-hmm. shot. He got sucked behind the net. But other than that. Um, he was in on two himself, creating two uh, for the mm-hmm. Oilers. And uh, hustling, skating, oh. hitting. Hustling, skating, hitting, digging. You know, this is mm-hmm. what he has to do to be in the NHL and he's doing it. So good. Uh, that was an exceptional game from him. First, my third good thing is Kari Yamamoto's play on CC's goal. And it, came, mm-hmm. it comes early in the sequence and it kind of kicks off the virtuous cycle uh, because Yamamoto... And it just, it's, it epitomized the hustle plays that we saw all night. So it's mm-hmm. my honorary, like I'm just picking okay. one. There was many, many plays like that.
1: Yeah, okay, fair.
0: But th- this was the one, this is just, it stood out because he's, he's not tall, but he just jumped in the air as far as he could and, and got the puck down and kept it in their zone. When right. It looked like it was coming out and he kept, he started off that sequence that way and it eventually led to the mm-hmm. goal. So that's my, uh, that's my good, third good thing.
1: He looked like Spud Webb making a dunk shot.
0: <laughs> <laughs> way, way
1: up for that one.
0: Mandatory <laughs> 1980 sports reference.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think that's that, what
0: Spud Webb played. He met him in the yeah. 70s.
1: Yeah, and he got he got an assist, and uh, his uh, actually all three of them—Drysdale, McDavid, and Yamamoto—were on the ice for both Oilers goals, and they each got one assist, and uh, McDavid added, of course, a goal as well, and Yamamoto's pass to McDavid on the 2 nothing, the sort of inside track. I don't know if that was what he planned to do or if it was kind of a... Anyway, it worked out perfect. It's like the quarterback under-throwing the receiver and the receiver cuts back. We do all sports here at the Colt of Hockey, but the receiver cuts back and the defensive back doesn't know where it's going. And he kind of flipped under the pass and McDavid cut to the inside and Dursey was dead in the water at that point. And uh, if, if, he, if that was a deliberate pass, it was a great one. And if it was a lucky pass, it was still a great one. <laughs> he is
0: a fantastic hockey
1: player, Kyler Yamamoto.
0: Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we've seen that line, Drysdale, McDavid, and Yamamoto have real success. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know what their numbers were this year, but last year they had an yeah. incredible goals for percentage, like 80, 82% or something like that, the 82% solution line. And... Um, not surprising mm. to see, and I was, but I was honestly a little bit surprised at how well they did tonight because Leon was clearly playing on one leg, mm-hmm. and um, but they just kept they just kept winning pucks. They kept controlling them, and, and Drysaddle, he's not your third good thing, is he? Because he, oh, okay, he was he was amazing. Like he just he, he got the puck and he made good plays with it. It was he was mm-hmm. using his head, which is a you know Leon when he has the puck on his stick. There's few players who have a better head, better vision. Mm-hmm. And he was certainly using it. And that line was just... The, the Kings, you know, the the cliche, they had no answer for uh, that, that line. They just continually put on pressure. But Yamamoto is a big part of it, Bruce. They, mm-hmm. The two best players on the team love playing with him. Um, I think we're getting an answer to a question, and some people are going to like the answer to this question. Like, in, in, in terms of, you know, they've got some hard decisions with who they're going to mm-hmm. keep around it forward and who they're going to pay or not. And I'm mm-hmm. not going to get into too much right now it's still premature the playoffs aren't over but Yamamoto is on the list of people they are going to be keeping I just have no doubt about it Bruce he is he is a glue player extraordinaire uh on that line playing with these really good hockey players
1: yeah he seems to be part you know a core player on the team and you know sort of front and center on when you see the team doing stuff as a team he, he seems to be a prominent guy in that mix and Sometimes that's a that's a good sign, but uh uh he you know, twenty goal, twenty assist season that he had and then uh you know yeah. now uh you know playing in the top six minutes uh in the playoffs and contributing. I mean he's gonna get uh he's gonna get uh, a nice race.
0: Indeed. What is your third good thing,
1: Bruce? Yeah, my third good thing is uh it could be my first good thing. Uh, and this is uh, Jay Woodcroft and the scouting or the head, uh, coaching staff of the Edmonton Oilers, Dave Manson, Glenn Gould <clears throat> and at Al. I would say Dustin Schwartz in there for the coach and the goalie, the two shutouts in this series. I don't know. I'll <laughs> get a rise out of some people. But yeah. honestly, uh, Jay Woodcroft turned his team around when he came in and took over. And he, uh, uh, we, I mean, we've talked plenty about what how the Oilers, Improved greatly over the last 38 games of the regular season to make the playoffs, Uh, but I'm specifically crediting him uh, for the game plan in Game Six and Seven, uh, where the Oilers pulled out this series in the end. And tonight's idea, uh, well, I guess it kind of started last game, but basically having David McDavid centering two lines was what it amounted to. He was with Dreisaitl and Yamamoto some of the time, and he was with uh, Kane and Hyman some of the time. And, you know, that's basically the four top six wingers on this team. And McDavid played 27 minutes and 23 seconds tonight. I mean, Dreisaitl's up there at 22, and all the other forwards are, you know, down under 20, where you'd expect. But McDavid really, really picked up... uh, 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 you know extra ice time by that strategy and it wasn't like the old strategy the 11-7 was mcdavid would go down or dry sidle or nuge would go down and play a shift on the fourth line you know with uh with devon shore and derek bizarre or whoever right and uh but this particular strategy had mcdavid playing with two sets of deadly wingers and it was it uh, was an excellent uh uh, excellent use of resources I thought under the circumstance and it was a good way to shelter dry saddle playing through what's clearly a significant physical issue and then at the same time the seven and the deployment of same by uh, Dave Manson uh, was spotless tonight you know they had the right defenseman on the ice all the time it seemed like and, and it was uh, uh, it was uh, uh, I thought that the, the a little bit outside the box from a league that's been 12-6 for a long long time and very few coaches uh, uh john cooper is one the two-time stanley cup champion who also got called up from his own farm team at a, at an opportune moment at a time that that team was graduating players in the nhl there's things about uh, uh jay woodcroft's situation here in edmonton that were ideal and they are the reason why it makes, not only makes sense for the Oilers to bring back Jay Woodcroft and, and staff, and the only way that that wouldn't have happened if they'd somehow blown this series. Well, that didn't happen. Uh, but I also think it's ideal for <clears throat> Jay Woodcroft. Even you might say, well, there's some other team out there that might poach him because he doesn't have a contract. He'd be crazy to go somewhere else. He's in the perfect spot. He knows all the players. Yeah. You know, He's got all this back history with all the players in this team. He's had success here. And I think he will be here. And I, for one, will be happy the day that he signs. But I'm happy today because uh, Horgers have got a 21st century coach who uh, has delivered results. And now he's delivered results in the playoffs. Congratulations to you, Jay Woodcroft, and your staff.
0: The 11-7 thing, Bruce.
1: Um, Love it.
0: I mean, it doesn't work for every team. But when you have these superstars like the Tampa Bay Lightning do like point and... Stamkos and players like this and Kucherov, I and mean, in Edmonton McDavid and Draisaitl, you you, you, it, you need to do two things. You need to get them on the ice as much as possible. Mm-hmm. You also want to screw up the checking and the flow of the other team's checking line. And if the other team is wedded to four lines, and you're constantly shifting around and yeah. monkeying around with your lines, it just really, I think, is is confusing and upsetting to the other team. Instead of four lines, they know how to do it mm-hmm. this way. What's going to happen next? Who's going out there? They don't know. They don't know. And it's just, it's it's fantastic. Because then it takes the other team out of its rhythm, I think. It's a, it's an excellent move. I never thought I would have said that.
1: because No, me neither. I, but I, I, the more I really, see it, the more I yeah. get into it and see how it can be deployed as a weapon, I'm like totally sold. Uh, this is the, the solution. And uh, big tip of the hat to the uh, guys coming up with the game plan.
0: Let's do our numbers, Bruce, since we've got sure. no bad things tonight. Oh, I'll start sure it off with my numbers. That. I'm going to go with the uh, plus-minus of Connor McDavid and Cody Ceci in the playoffs. They are the two leading Oilers in the playoffs. Goals plus-minus official NHL goals plus-minus a statistic, which is often derided, and rightly so, because it's based on a on a group of players' performance. And sometimes you don't know if a player has earned his plus mark or not, and very often he hasn't. and, and sometimes. Um, sometimes he has, sometimes mm-hmm. he hasn't. You just don't know. Anyway, they're plus 10 and plus 8. But the, these guys really, these guys, so the McDavid the top forward on the order, CC the top D-man. And they really have earned these numbers. Cody, Connor McDavid has been, uh, has made, you know, a, a major, major contribution at even strength to 10 goals in this series. 10 goals. And he made major mistakes on four goals against. So he he was really driving the attack consistently. Cody Cc's numbers in some ways are even more remarkable. He made a major contribution, Bruce, to three goals, and he made a major mistake. Cody Cc made a major mistake on just one goal against the even strength all seas- all series long. Mm-hmm. He was he was fantastic uh, defensively, and and I was saying this I never would have guessed this when they signed Cody Cc. But and, and at people who listen to this podcast know how much I admire Adam Larson's game mm-hmm. and his strong defensive play. Yep. Today I would rather have Cody CC on my team than Adam Larson. Cody CC's a better all around player than Adam Larson. He's he's not the hammer on defense. Like he's not this this brutal mean guy with the stick and cross checking, and he probably gives up a bit more on defense than Larson does, but he doesn't give up that much more.
1: It's, it's less very, time in the penalty box. He
0: Yeah, he doesn't take as many penalties. And he's a much better puck mover. So, o- overall, Cody Cease is a better player than Adam Larson. I mean, that is that is a huge win for the Oilers scouting department. The Pro Scouts of the Edmonton Oilers should take a bow today with that signing because... Um, Cody Ceci has really delivered on a value contract, 3.5 million, I think, for four years. If he keeps playing like this, and why not? He's he's just 27, 28. He's in the absolute prime of an NHL defenseman career. He was the order's best defenseman in this in this series, and uh, may he have many more.
1: Yeah. yeah, he was he was good, and uh, he was uh, he was strong. By the way, you're number 10 on McDavid plus 10. In the last three games, they would scored 10 goals, and McDavid was on the ice for all 10 of them. <laughs> Jeez. And basically in the center of them all, like he didn't quite have a point on, he had points on eight of them, and he kind of got ripped off out of a point on Drysaddle's shorthanded goal, I thought. And I think on the other one, he was involved in the play, but but the puck moved around a little bit after after he touched it. 10 out of 10. What a player. Looks like it's great tonight.
0: What's your number? <laughs>
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. My number. My number is four, and four is uh, uh, in the three games that the Oilers lost. They lost uh, four to three in game number one. Four to or game number one. Four to nothing in game number four, and five to four is when they gave them four regulation goals in game number five. And compare and contrast that to the four games Edmonton won. Uh, by scores of 6 nothing, 8-2, 4-2, and 2 nothing, where L.A. scored a total of four goals in the four games. And guess which games Edmonton won? It was the games that they were able to, to keep L.A. down on the score sheet to two or less. And so, of course, the other part of four is that the Oilers uh, won four games to win the series. And here's the real, real cool thing about this series is that not in a single game was there ever a lead change the team that scored first were tied a couple times they never gave up the lead and they always eventually won the game the team that scored first in every game but in the series itself it changed the maximum number of times la led one to nothing Everton led two to one la's led three to two and Everton won it four to three so it went back and forth uh leads uh Changing, so there's a maximum number of lead changes in the series itself and zero lead changes in any of the seven games within it. So, how's that for kind of strange and bizarre?
0: (laughs) Very strange and bizarre, Bruce. Um, so the owners are either going to play, I guess, Dallas or Calgary in the next round. Mm -hmm. Yep, I um, we'll see what happens happens tomorrow night. It was a huge, it was huge for Dallas to beat Calgary because that means like if they, if they extra rest in the playoffs is gold mm-hmm. it's like yep. it's like finding a big brick of gold and mm-hmm. you know if there's a bad thing with the Oilers it's that they found their defensive game in game 6 not right. in game 5 or game 4 and um you know if they had had a couple more time off that would have helped this team they got lots of aches and pains mm-hmm. Dry settle and nurse are still um nursing injuries so. And anyway, so, but the good news is Calgary and Dallas are playing a game seven tomorrow night because Dallas beat them. And that was, I was just overjoyed when that happened because that's what that meant. And part of me would like to see a Flames-Oilers series. I think, I think the Oilers do match up quite a bit better though against um, the Dallas Stars than they do against the Flames. So I, I, I'm, I want to see Dallas beat Calgary for that reason, um, because I think, the, the Dallas Stars remind me of, like, like, they're like the Kings quite a bit. So the orders have now played this kind of team. And they know, I think, how to beat this kind of team. You just outwork them. You, a defensive team like this, like these great defensive teams like Dallas mm-hmm. and Los Angeles, are really good, def- like, mm-hmm. outwork, just outwork them, out-defend them. If you out-defend them, you, you will beat them because they're not great at scoring and you are. Right. So um, that's what I'm hoping to see. But, we'll, you know, if it's going to be the orders and the Flames, I mean, that, It'll be uh, otherworldly exciting, so um, Mm -hmm. I'll be okay with that as
1: well. One thing we do know is that the Oilers will enter the next round with uh, one day more rest than their opponent, that they'll get at least two days off now because there's no way that Calgary uh, or Dallas wins tomorrow and then starts the next series on Monday. So we know they won't be playing Monday. And so it's uh, a favourable situation that that series also went seven. And I mean if Dallas somehow wins in, in Calgary, then the Orders will wind up with Home Ice advantage in the second round, but more travel. And if Calgary wins, well, Battle of Alberta, here we come.
0: Yeah, the Dallas Stars, their top point scorer has five points in six games, Joe Pavelski. Then Rupe Hints has four points in six games, and Heiskin in the next, it's three points in six games. Wow. So they're not they're Great not a big scoring. Guys, wow. They they have really good players on this hockey team. It's a very strong defensive hockey team with a with a fantastic group of defensemen. So I mean, they got Heiskanen, uh, Essa Lindell, Ryan Sutter. I guess has been playing really really strong hockey here in the playoffs. John Klingberg, Klingberry.
1: Little Joe is still a killer at what thirty thirty eleven years old. What, what the hell is he? He's oh, yeah, you know, so good in the tips and the rebounds yeah. and just. Within 10 feet of the net, that guy is absolutely deadly. King of the Californian, Bruce. King of the Californian. All right. It, uh, final got, thoughts, anything? Yeah, I got one more thing. Uh, uh, we got an email a few, few days oh, ago. and right. I I made a point that, you know, if they actually play on the 14th, and we do a podcast, that it actually is the 15th, uh, one minute after midnight on the 15th, as we say this. This is from a, a, a listener named uh, Mia Thomas. And she says, Hi, Bruce, we haven't met, but I'm a big fan of the podcast. I've been listening for a few years now. My dad, Derek Thomas, has a birthday coming up on May 15th, his 63rd. I'm not sure if you do requests like this. I've never heard one on the podcast because I don't think we've ever done one quite like this. But I was wondering if you could give my dad a birthday shout out from me. Your podcast has brought us much closer together. And I think it would be a nice tribute to him on his birthday or someday near his birthday. So happy birthday to you, Derek Thomas. And what a lovely sentiment that our podcast has brought a father and daughter closer together. However that works, uh, that just uh, warmed my heart to hear that. So I thought, well, if we're doing a podcast on May 15th, you're darn right. Derek and Mia are both going to get a shout out from me. So enjoy your day.
0: Happy birthday, Derek. And, um, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting, Bruce, like of all the, th- I've been a journalist now for 40 years and of all the things I've done as a journalist, there's been nothing that's had like the response that we've had to this, to not to the cult of hockey, not to our written work there, but mm-hmm. to the podcast. Mm-hmm. And I just think it's because we're just like every other Euler fan. We're just Euler fans talking about the game and people like talking hockey with other Oilers fans. So we, we are, we're, we're, we're. We're by the faithful and for the faithful. So I think that's what it's all about.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's right. It's a, yeah, And uh, nights like this, we can all be one big happy family. We don't have to bicker about Josh Archibald or Zach Casting, <laughs> Mike Smith or Duncan Keith or and Vander Kane or any of the renegades that uh, Ken Holland has brought in on this team. We can just say, hey, it worked. We won a series. First time in five years. Let's all enjoy it. So... I'm going to crack a beer as I'm writing the grades tonight, Dave, and I'm going to enjoy that. And uh, uh, there will be good grades for this team tonight because they deserve them. Bruce, thanks for talking tonight. Thanks for listening, everyone.
0: And in the meantime, and in between times, this has been another edition of the Cult of Hockey podcast.